and welcome to the next in our series of Employment Law Podcasts. I'm Emma O'Connor, Director and Head of HR Training here at Boys Turner. October marks Menopause Awareness Month. Some might think that something which potentially impacts 50% of the world's population doesn't need to be recognised. Surely it was obvious. However, there is much taboo surrounding menopause, its symptoms and its impact on women at work. Menopause is not an age thing. It can happen at any stage of a woman's life. However, typically women in their 50s experience symptoms. Yet statistically, this age group marks the fastest growing workplace demographic in the UK workforce. So there is a quandary. This is the demographic employers want to retain and recruit, but one in 10 women aged between 45 and 55 have reportedly left their job due to symptoms of the menopause or not feeling supported by their employer. Whilst we're referring to women during this podcast, others within your workplace may also be impacted. So with this background in mind, in this podcast, I want to discuss why HR and employers should be aware of menopause and the impact menopause can have on women at work. To discuss this topic, I am joined by Carolyn Sykes of Raise Your Gaze. Hi, Carolyn, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Very happy to be here. Thank you for joining me during Menopause Awareness Month. So before we dive into this topic, um, could you give us some information about your background and what you do? Yes. So my background is an acupuncturist. So I've been training in Chinese medicine since 2012 and I treated a lot of menopausal women in my clinical practice and I was getting quite good results because we do get some very extensive training on menopause through the Chinese medicine degree, but I wanted to get better results. And so I took an advanced Chinese medicine training in the menopause and it became my specialist area. And I've been getting the most phenomenal results with women since then. And that training really educated me thoroughly and lit a fire in me to help end the suffering that so many women go through at this time. You're doing some work, aren't you, with employers as well in terms of raising awareness? Mostly educating. So obviously through my own education and my deep understanding of how this works and also how different menopause you know each each woman is an individual and so our life circumstances are so different our health constitutions are so different and so the menopause affects us all in different ways and so it's mainly educating employers on how they can help and you know creating solutions in the workplace. It's been such a high profile topic as well hasn't it we've seen Um, documentaries we've seen lots of articles about menopause and menopause symptoms as I've said we've seen lots of high profile celebrities as well talking about their experiences and it is really interesting that despite uh, you know the awareness you know menopause awareness month there still seems to be a lot of taboos and also a lot of myths around uh, menopause what are some of the the issues and the myths that that you've come across that people have spoken to you about yeah um, you know when, during during your work and your practice yeah so there are some big myths out there about the menopause the first one the biggest myth in my opinion is that the menopause is a one-time event so you know the menopause itself is actually only one day 
But it's what happens in the lead up to that time, which is called perimenopause. But that actually begins a lot sooner than we in the West are actually aware of. So the biggest myth is that it is this short one-time event in a woman's life. And the truth of it is that it actually starts, the menopause actually starts before we're born. We can think of our kidneys like batteries. And so this energy that we've got in our batteries that sees us through our lives, we can actually use it up too quickly by living life, you know, burning the candle at both ends, going through a lot of trauma, emotional stress, not knowing how to rest properly. All of these things can actually speed up the decline of our batteries, of our kidney energy. And so when we get to the menopausal time in life, the batteries are running quite low. And so this often coincides with a time in a woman's life where she's going through other major stresses as well. So she might have teenage children at home who are also going through their own transition. We'll talk a little bit about transitional gateways later on, I'm sure. But the uh, puberty is the first transitional gateway that we go through where our hormones massively change. And so life changes and can't be the same anymore as it was when we were younger. And so the teenagers might be going through their storm at the same time that a woman is hitting her menopause time. And then she might also be looking after aging parents at the same time as well, which is additional stress. Um, and then she also may be in a more senior role in her career. So there's a lot of demands on the body. And if the kidney energy is running very low, and it typically tends to speed up, the decline of the kidney energy tends to speed up around the time of menopause. So all of these things coinciding can create a lot of symptoms for a lot of women. So to think of the menopause as just a one-time event is not actually seeing it in its full picture. So I would say that's the first myth. We sort of, you know, when we sort of chatted previously, we, we talked about it being sort of part of that, that life's journey. And I think that that's a really nice way of describing it. And I think, you know, another sort of myth, and I'm, and I'm sure that you've picked up on, on this as well, is that it's, Yes, primarily it does impact women in that sort of, you know, that sort of time in their life when they're in that, you know, engine room of their of their careers. But mm. it is something that can happen to a woman at any stage, not necessarily at any age. Would you, yeah. would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of a case study. Uh, there was a patient I treated who was 19 years old and she was starting to go through menopausal changes and it was uh, genetic so the same thing had happened to her mother and her grandmother as well obviously there is that sort of emotional that well-being aspect to um to you know looking after our people supporting our our people and you know as as well as that and there is a legal dimension to 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 this as well and certainly menopause is becoming more of an issue for, for employers legally with actually the number of employment tribunal claims citing menopause as either a claim in itself or a reason for the claim, for example, uh, you know, constructive unfair dismissal. We've all seen an increase in, in this. And it's quite interesting that um, menopause became an issue recently where there was a government report into looking at whether more needed to be done um, to support uh, women at, at work and, and basically 
the, the government's response to that report was that actually, you know, we we don't need to have menopause cited as a specific um, protected characteristic under the Equality Act. And, and really, it was about, you know, employers having champions and, and signposting. But, but again, although menopause is not uh, you know, a disability. Actually, the symptoms of it, as you've as you've described, can often be a, a disability, as described under the Equality Act, providing, of course, those symptoms are substantial and potentially long term. And, and just to sort of flag to those listening, there was a recent EAT case um, involving um, Leicestershire City Council, where the individual in that case was um, held to have a disability her menopausal symptoms uh, were found to be a disability so you know it's not just sort of culturally or from a well-being perspective but also you know there is a legal seriousness to to this uh, as well and I sort of mentioned at the start of the podcast the statistic that actually came out from the government consultation on, on on menopause that one in 10 women leave work during the menopause. And I, I just wondered, why do you think that is? Why do so many women feel that they, they can't continue in, in employment? Well, first of all, they may not feel supported enough mm. in their workplace. They may not feel understood. They may also not understand for themselves what's happening to their bodies and mm. their minds. And they might feel afraid that they w- won't be able to get a grip on it or to be able to control to some extent what's happening to them or like how long it might last. So mm. they may start to feel hopeless. And I think that's, that is due to a lack of awareness of what can actually be done to help. So there's a lot of awareness of the actual situation which is fantastic, but I think there needs to be more awareness of what can actually be done to help so that women don't feel hopeless. Do you think it could be quite isolating as well? I'm thinking sort of, you know, sort of the workplace and, and you know, perhaps employees feeling, you know, not understood, um, you know, people in my team don't understand, you know, what, what's happening, my, my manager doesn't understand. Do you think isolation um, can, can be an issue as well? Absolutely. And that's why, you know, all this new awareness that's coming out is so fantastic because women are hearing other women's stories and they're hearing their own story in other women's stories. And that's helping them to feel like I'm not the only one. I'm not alone. It's not just me that this is happening to. And that starts the process of starting to understand a bit better what actually is happening and then as I say I think our real job going forwards is educating on what can be done to help. So with with that backdrop of helping women to be more aware to be more understood and to understand themselves as, as well thinking about it from a kind of an HR perspective where we've got this backdrop of uh, you know women in the engine rooms of their careers uh, it you know potentially impacting um, more, more women at th- that stage we've got issues with recruitment with with retention why do you think you know menopause needs to be on the HR agenda well as you say you know, it's so important because women of this age group have so much wisdom Mm. to share, so much experience. Um, One of the things that could help is a slight change in their role so that they're more of a mentor. So I think what really would help women is to be asked, what do you feel you need? You know, so because everyone is so different, 
we can't say, all right, this, this is what needs to be in place for all women because what works for one may not work for another. So if they're asked, what do you need? Then they can voice what they feel might help them to be able to perform their jobs at their optimum. And so that's mm-hmm. the first thing that obviously um, HR teams can look at. And then there are other things that can be put in place as well. I think you're right. And just sort of, you know, with my hat on, you know, sort of thinking about things legally and and how I've said that, you know, whilst menopause is not a protected characteristic under the Equality Act, the symptoms of it could fall within that that definition. And, and obviously where you do have an individual who does sort of meet that, meet those tests of um, disability um, under the Equality Act, then that that obligation to make those reasonable adjustments then obviously becomes more important. Um, so again, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, the one size fits all approach um, it wouldn't wouldn't work in those circumstances. So you'd need to think about things like you know, um, you know, flexible working. Um, mm. You know, maybe some sort of temporary changes, as you suggest, to you know, the, to to the role, um, to allowing you know time to you know have that support around you as as well. I think it's really um, important in those situations. I wonder, you know, working with the businesses that that you have, what you've seen that's worked really well or what um, sort of tips you have about how employers can support Yeah. So, okay, I I might sound like I'm uh, repeating myself a little bit here, but obviously education is the biggest one. So educating so that everybody understands not only what's going on, but what they can actually do, because there are things that can be done. And there's such simple tweaks that can really reduce the amount of suffering that a woman is going through. Um, Also, a focus on rest. Okay, a focus on balance. So oftentimes we're quite overworked. And unless we bring a little bit of balance into our day, then that can actually throw the body so far off balance that it makes symptoms worse. And then there's also things like walking in nature, uh, just taking time to think, taking time to actually do nothing, you know, and to not feel guilty about these things, to not feel lazy, to realize that if I take 10 minutes to just sit with my cup of tea and just do nothing, that's actually going to make me more productive later in the day. So something then that can be implemented is maybe shorter, more frequent breaks in the workday as well uh, for these restful activities. Just being able to walk off site, go and get some nature, get some fresh air, grab a cup of tea. And a lot of the um, most restful things they found were things that we do alone. So actually trying to do things with other people Uh, can make the thing not as restful does that make sense because sometimes when we're engaging with others we feel like we have to put on some form of performance Mm. whereas when we're on our mask isn't it we mask we mask and that yeah yeah, that can be quite exhausting Mm. so uh, something that employees can do on their own people are not taking their lunch breaks even in the workday they're trying to be so productive that they're not doing the things that would make them more productive like taking a lunch break have you seen that? 
Oh, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, the working day now, because, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're a slave, aren't we, to the to the teams meetings. Mm. Um, and, you know, we just literally just go from one meeting to the other um, without having that period to be able to reflect. So I, I agree. I think having that time within the day just to kind of breathe um, is really beneficial and you know I've seen examples of, 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 of workplaces so for example our own workplace here Boys Turner you know we have well-being hours where, where employees are encouraged to do exactly what you've suggested just literally you know go for a walk you know take a meditation class or some yoga or just you know walk the dog or just literally just be or just to just to breathe and I think I think that's really good advice from both perspectives so employers looking at how people are working what's their working day like but also a tip for anybody who is experiencing systems symptoms that you know that is okay and just to kind of you know make some time as you said for yourself Mm. to to rest um and to you know be a bit kind to yourself as well is probably a tip to take away would you agree Oh, huge tip. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a change in mindset to not even feel guilty about it, to not even think, okay, this is okay, but to actually think this is essential. This is essential for my well-being and for my productivity so I can give the best of me in all areas of my life, particularly, obviously, at work. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Some really valuable thoughts and reflections there. And I think that's really important to, yes, think about the legal obligations and the legal risks, but also remember that this is a time for many of your people that, you know, they need some support emotionally and for their own well-being. And I think it is about celebrating and championing those issues and empowering women at work. You know, recruitment and retention are two key challenges for businesses and for HR. But, you know, when we think that one in 10 women leaving work because of either their symptoms or they're feeling um, undervalued, you know, this is a key demographic that employers need to be focusing on. Not everyone's experiences are the same. And I think that's a really important takeaway as well. But raising awareness, signposting support for your employees and also, you know, your partners who are, you know, supporting individuals who are going through the menopause as well and taking a more human approach um, to our people does go a long way in the employer's drive to be that destination employer. If you want to find out more about Raise Your Gaze, then details are in the show notes. To hear more of our great podcasts, we can be found on all the usual platforms and channels. So remember to follow or subscribe.